0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List, Year of War and Peace. Here to talk about Book 1, Chapter 10. Nice chapter. Natasha gets her first kiss in the uh, in the, the, the garden, garden room. What's an indoor garden called? The conservatory? The setting of this scene is very beautiful. That was the discussion prompt that I gave you, and I put in a little picture of the setting from the BBC version of it. Uh, and four-year promise, do you reckon they'll keep it? You know, the one thing I think about Tolstoy is that I, the one, I guess, um, gripe I would have with his writing is that he doesn't paint pictures of the settings for me very clearly. And it could be down to the translator, or it could just be that some of the language is a bit, you know, old fashioned and I don't know exactly what it means. But when they talk about the conservatory, I did not picture something as beautiful as what I'm seeing on the BBC series. And I think that's a shame, because some of the settings are so beautiful. Uh, Rambling Kit Al-Bikira says, I may have missed this, but how old is Boris? Because I understand that Natasha is 13 or 14. Am I the only one who feels incredibly uncomfortable? Um. Yeah, I think Boris is like 17 or 18, but I'm not really sure. Old enough to sort of be moving off to... Go into the military for the first time as a kind of a cadet. Rosa uh, Liav says, "Me too, but I just try to think that it was normal in the past. Really, everything was different different, so it's difficult to judge." Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, don't get too uncomfortable about it. It is just fiction. It's uh, it's weird, but I think Boris tried to sort of deflect her. I think he just sort of politely tried to be like, you know, you're too young without saying, you know, no, I don't want to. Because she wants to kiss him and be, you know, be boyfriend and girlfriend. And he says, you know, come back in four years, pretty much. <laughs> um, which, you know, it might not be too tactful, but I think he's just trying not to upset her. And maybe he knows Natasha well enough to think, you know, I'll just... I'll defer her for a few years and then she'll forget about it. Something like that. Warren Kovofi says, I think Boris was definitely the oldest out of the group, so there is an age gap for sure. Also trying to remind myself that these were different times with the whole having a dozen kids, marrying cousins, getting married young, etc. But yeah, it's still very odd to me. Um, Yeah, the marriage thing I think is big. Like you didn't really... uh, You know, the first person you fell in love with was usually who you married, right? Um, especially if you kind of hooked up with them. If you get pregnant to them, you're definitely marrying them. Although there is a lot in this book of people, you know, living the single life, sleeping around a bit, so maybe that's wrong. But I think because of that sort of tradition of, you know, staying pure, quote unquote, until marriage, I think it was kind of like around the time you become sexually active is when they would start to think about marriage. So around sort of 17, 18, which is weird, but um, I guess that's how it was. Blondie says his age is not specified, only that he's a few years older. Some have suggested that he may be as old as 20, but I doubt... It's since I don't think it is specified that he is a student or has any occupation. Uh, It's important to remember that courting back then was completely different from nowadays, especially in high society. Um, Natasha, 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 says grumpy Shakespearean. I don't find this scene as uncomfortable as others here. She's a young teenager trying on some huge feelings for the, probably the first time. Of course she thinks Boris will marry her. She's in for a world of heartbreak, poor thing. Um, yeah. Artless Calamity says, Is she a teenager? In my version, it says she's 12. She does count. Doesn't she count 13, 14, 15, 16 like that? Yeah. In my edition, says Grumpy Shakespearean, Tolstoy says she's 13. Uh, There's something very Shakespearean about this scene with its complicated romantic pairings, says Rick Evans, the hide-and-seek and and the youthful passion. I didn't feel that this scene was uncomfortable as Natasha is clearly the the one doing the chasing and Boris is trying to put her off with delay tactics. Um, Yeah, I just think it's such a cute, sweet chapter. I don't get the, the creepiness because you know she gives him a kiss and then he says you know you're cute (laughs) as if just i think he says you're funny is what he says kind of like saying you know you're cute in a young way (laughs) essentially he's trying to say you're too young but it is sweet all the same i thought it was sweet at least the young being head over heels for their first crush, says Warren coffee, another reminder of things that resonate even in today's world. I'm, remi- I'm wondering if Natalia seeing Nikolai and Sonia kiss was the first time she found that they really have feelings for one another. Funny how she sees them kiss and immediately wants to repeat the act with Boris, and after just one kiss she's ready to wait four years, until 17, to marry him. That long of a commitment given with the war on the horizon and how absurdly young they both are I can't help in predicting that the odds aren't in their favour. Um, a lot of comments about this, about the age gap. (laughs) Oh my, I'm with the others that feel this is a bit icky, says Twisted Every Way. I was estimating Boris is about 18, uh, or more like 20 or so, 13 to at least 18. Of course, five years age just in your 20s is an unreasonable, yeah. Um, Okay, we're just going around in circles here with this one. (laughs) Um, trying to find a comment that's not about the age difference between these two. Uh, Involuntary Darkness says, I found the contrast between Nikolai and Sonia versus Boris and Natasha very interesting. Two very similar scenes that ended quite differently. Yeah, we've got kids you know, making out with young men and we've got cousins making out with each other. (laughs) It's a messy chapter. But somehow it still remains kind of like sweet, you know, because I just think of them as, you know, young people trying on a bit of, you know, a bit of a first kiss and and getting all heartbroken or getting all, you know, uh, getting their crushes and stuff. I just think it's cute. All right. I'm just going to read the next chapter now, I think. I think that's what I'm going to do, which would be chapter, what was it, 11? Oh, whoops, I didn't mean to close that. <clears throat> Sorry about yesterday's podcast. I was um, reading it off my screen rather than with the book here. And um it took me ages to load the page that I needed. So there was a lot of stalling and numbing and ahhing, and I think I just went and got a drink at one point. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so what are we doing reading chapter uh, 14 or 11? 14 if you're reading Maud. All right, here we go. And a Lewis translation, of course. After entertaining so many visitors, the Countess was knackered. She told the porter not to admit any more visitors, but to invite them back for dinner, if any more show up. She wished now to have a private D&M with her lifelong friend Princess Anna Mikhailovna, they hadn't caught up properly since she got back from Petersburg. Anna Mikhailovna, with her tear-worn but pleasant face, pulled up a chair where the countess sat. I'll be honest with you, said Anna Mikhailovna. Old friends are a rare thing these days. That's why our friendship is so important to me. Anna Mikhailovna looked at Vera and paused. The countess squeezed her friend's hand. Fuck's sake, Vera. Countess Rostova said to her eldest daughter, who clearly wasn't her favourite. Can't you take a hint? Can't you see we're trying to talk in private? Go see what the other girls are up to or something. The handsome Vera gave a very bitchy smile, but didn't seem remotely hurt. No worries, mamma. Maybe next time just say if you want me to be if you want to be left alone, she replied, as she rose to go to her room. But as Vera passed the sitting room she noticed two couples sitting one pair at each window. She paused, watching, and her smile grew bitchier. Sonya was sitting close to Nicholas, who was copying out some verses for her. His first attempt at such a thing. Boris and Natasha were at the other window, and they clammed up when Vera entered. Sonya and Natasha looked at Vera with guilty, happy faces. It was a beautiful thing, young love, but apparently Vera had the heart of an eye switch and felt nothing. How many times do I have to tell you? Don't touch my stuff, she said. You have a room of your own and she snatched the inkstand from Nicholas. "'Wait, wait, wait,' he said, dipping his pen. "'You have the worst timing,' continued Vera. "'You came crashing into the drawing room. "'Everyone was embarrassed about you.' "'What she said was kind of true, "'perhaps for that reason no one replied, "'and the four just looked at each other. "'She lingered in the room, holding the inkstand. "'You guys are just kids. "'What secrets can there possibly be between Natasha and Boris, "'or between you two? "'Absolute nonsense.' What's it to you anyway, Vera? said Natasha in defence, speaking gently. She seemed that day to be in a very kind and affectionate mood to everyone. Oh, such idiots, said Vera. I'm seriously embarrassed for you for secrets. (laughs) Everyone has secrets, answered Natasha even more gently, showing her older sister real kindness, like you and Berg. We don't bother you guys. Yeah, because I'm not doing anything wrong, said Vera. Mama wouldn't care, but she wouldn't. She would definitely care if I told her you are beha- how you are behaving with Boris. Natalia Ilginichna has not- behaved perfectly well, if you ask me, remarked Boris. No complaints here. Don't, Boris. You're such a diplomat. It does my head in, said Natasha in a mortified, trembling voice. At that time, kids loved using the word diplomat with the special meaning it had for them. Why do you have to be a dick to me? "'She added, turning to Vera. "'You'll never understand love because you don't feel love, "'because you're an ice witch with a frozen heart. "'You are a Madame de Genlis. "'That's all you are. "'Giving Vera this nickname was Nicholas's handiwork, "'and boy did it sting. "'And the only thing you enjoy is being a dickhead to people. "'Piss off and go flirt with Berg. "'No one cares,' she finished quickly. "'Yeah, well, at least I won't go chasing after him "'while we have guests. "'All right, bloody hell, Vera.' You've done what you wanted to do. You've successfully been a bitch to all four of us. Mission accomplished. Let's go to the nursery. Me, the bitch? I didn't say anything bitchy. They did all the name-calling, remarked Vera. Madame de Genlis, Madame de Genlis, shouted the others, laughing from beyond the door. The handsome Vera still showed no sign of being rattled. She could take it as well as she dished it out. Her presence seemed to have an unpleasant and irritating effect on everyone. She smiled and went to the mirror, arranged her hair and scarf, and looking at her own handsome face, became colder and calmer still. The grown-ups were still chatting in the drawing-room. "'Ah, oh, my dear,' said the Countess. "'My life isn't so rosy, either. "'At the rate we are living, we'll be broke soon enough.' "'Don't I know it. "'It's all the club, and he's too easy going about what he spends, "'even in the country. "'Do you reckon we get any rest?' No, it's all theatricals, hunting and the rest, but hey, let's not bang on about me. Tell me, how do you manage everything? It baffles me, it how at your age you can rush around alone in your carriage to Moscow, to Petersburg, to those ministers and fancy people, and that you know how to deal with them all. It's pretty amazing. how do you get it all sorted out? I couldn't do it. Oh, mate, answered Anna Mikhailovna. Hope to God you never know what it's like to be left a widow with no means and a son you love to a fault. You learn quick enough then, she added with a certain pride. The the lawsuit taught me heaps. Now whenever I want to see one of the big shots, I write a note. Princess so-and-so desires an interview with so-and-so. Then I take a cab there by myself two or three times, or four, however many it takes until I get what I want. I don't give a shit what they think of me. Who'd you speak to about Bori? asked the Countess. "'Your boy is already an officer in the guards, but Nicholas is going as a cadet. "'No one knows about him, really. Who did you speak to?' "'Prince Vasily. He was nice about it. "'He straightway agreed to everything and told the Emperor about Boris,' "'said Princess Anna Mikhailovna, quite forgetting all the embarrassing, dog shit stinky begging she had had to do to get her way. "'Has he aged much, Prince Vasily?' asked the Countess. I haven't seen him in ages, not since we acted together at the Rumi theatricals. He's probably forgotten all about me by now, but he paid attention to me back in those days, said the Countess with a wink. He hasn't changed at all, replied Anna Mikhailovna. He's just such a top bloke. So kind and caring. His position hasn't changed him at all. He said to me, I just wish I could do more to help, dear Princess. Anything you need. Yep, such a good bloke. But, you know, Natalie, "'How much I love my Borri! I'd do anything for him. "'It just sucks because, well, I'm so broke, I'm absolutely buggered, to be honest,' Continued Anna Mikhailovna sadly, dropping her voice. "'This frickin' lawsuit is sucking me dry, and it's just dragging on and on. "'Can you believe I have literally not a penny and can't afford to equip Bori for service?' "'Here she took out her hanky and started crying. "'I've got twenty-five rubles to my name.' and I need five hundred just to equip him. I am fucked. My only hope now is that Count Cyril Vladimirovich Bezukhov will assist his godson, you know, he is Boris' godfather, and give him some money. Otherwise, all this effort to get him into the guards will be for nothing, if I can't afford to equip him. The Countess pondered this quietly, her eyes getting all teary. But don't you reckon it's a sin, continued the Princess, that Count Bezukhov is so rich? "'All alone, such a massive fortune. "'And what's the point of him, really? "'He really doesn't even want to live anymore. "'He's just doing it out of habit. "'But Boris, his life is just beginning.' "'I'm sure he'll leave something for Boris,' said the Countess. "'Bug it if I know. "'My dear, these rich dickheads are so selfish. "'Still, I'll take Boris to go see him at once, "'and I'll ask him straight up. "'Screw what everyone thinks of me. "'Who cares? "'I don't give a shit. "'Not when it's my son's fate on the line.' "'The Princess got up.' It's two o'clock now, and your dinner's at four. Just enough time, I reckon. It was all up to her. There was no one else left to help her, being so underprivileged and alone in the world. She sent a servant to fetch her son from across the gigantic mansion, which they were able to live in whenever they fancied. Obviously, she wasn't going to waste her time trekking one end to the other and then went into the ante-room with him, ready to travel in their private carriage to an even bigger mansion, before returning back to this mansion for a free banquet feast with eighty of the richest people in Moscow. All right, see you later, my dear, she said solemnly to the Countess, who saw her to the door, and in a whisper she added, so that her son couldn't hear. Wish me luck. Oh, hey, are you going to see Count Cyril Vladimirovich? said the Count. He came scooting out of the dining hall, into the anteroom, and he added, If Pierre is feeling okay, tell him to come eat with us tonight. He came round a while back, you know, and danced with the kids. Invite him for me, will you? And we'll see how Taras treats us. He said even Count Orlov never threw a dinner like this. It's going to be a ripper of a feast. All right, there we go. A ripper of a feast coming right up. Oh, the feast scene. There is a Ripper of a Feast coming up. I'm not sure how many chapters until we get to it, but oh, what a great scene. All of book one, It's just so many memorable moments from book one. And I do wonder if... Right now I'm working on book two. I'll be streaming tomorrow, by the way, guys, if you want to jump on and hang out while we do a bit of War and Peace hanging. Um, And I just wonder... Will there be so many memorable moments from later chapters in the book? Later books in the book, I could even say. I think there will be. I think there will be. But when I go back through book one, I just... There's so many moments in it that are just like... I don't know. I hope it's like this throughout the whole book, is all I'll say. Because every time there's another scene coming up, I'm like, Yes, I love that scene. That bit was awesome. And just about every chapter we've read so far is a chapter where I'm like, oh yeah, this is a good one, this is a good one. So I hope that happens for the next, you know, 350-odd chapters that we're going to read. That would be great. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.